Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today is Thursday, June 10th, 2021. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, Black Republican Congressman Byron Donalds says the Congressional Black Caucus, they're blocking him from becoming a member. Others say, dude, you voted with Donald Trump when it came to the election of Joe Biden. 
get the hell on and get gone. During the hearing today, Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton showed his white nationalist self, constantly interrupting Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin on the issue of diversity in the armed services. A federal judge has tossed one of the discrimination lawsuits black franchisees with McDonald's file against the corporation. In Minneapolis, a deadly police shooting has no record because there's no body cam video. Really? In Oregon, a statue commemorating an enslaved black member of the 1804 Lewis and Clark expedition defaced by a crazy-ass white woman and the owner of the Baltimore Ravens donates $4 million to HBCUs. Plus, the High Point North Carolina principal who serenaded his graduating seniors with the Whitney Houston song, well, written by Dolly Parton, I Will Always Love You. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. The only black Republican in the U.S. House, not happy at all. He's upset, saying the Congressional Black Caucus is blocking him from joining. 42-year-old Byron Donalds from Florida says his staff has reached out to members of the CBC multiple times. And they have not gotten an adequate response why he is not a member. Now, he has said that he was a member of the Black Caucus when he served in the Florida legislature. He believes he's being ignored because of his party affiliation. Now, when Donalds was asked about Donalds' claim, the CBC gave us the following statement. The Congressional Black Caucus remains committed to fighting for issues that support black communities, including the Police Accountability Bill, Protecting Voting Rights, and a jobs bill that helps our communities. <laughs> Boom, there you go. Uh, now, Congressman Byron Donalds is going to join us on Monday's show, but uh, uh, he did uh, go on a lot of media outlets uh, talking about this issue after BuzzFeed actually reported this story. Watch this. Show that in a second. I just want to go to my panel. Let's go to Dr. Greg Carr, Chair of the Department of Afro-American Studies, Howard Uni University, uh, Reese Colbert, uh, Black Women Views, uh, and also glad to have uh, in the chair, Georgia Fort, uh, independent journalist. Um, this is an uh, uh, interesting one here, uh, Greg, in that, first of all, you've had black members before. Mia Love was a member of the Congressional Black Caucus uh, when she represented Utah. Uh, you have Burgess Owens, who's not from Utah, not joining the CBC. Senator Tim Scott chose not to join as well. Um, and so Donalds is really upset that he, he he's not allowed over there. But keep in mind, this is the same guy who voted not to accept the electors, uh, not to accept the results of the, of the election of President Joe Biden. Uh, what do you make of his desire to join the Congressional Black Caucus? Should he or should he be kept out? Well, I'm glad he wants to be in. Uh, that's just because of phenotype, how he looks. But that's very different than politics and culture. 
this is a guy who got on Twitter today and said he, applaud, he applauded that corn pone governor of Florida for banning critical race theory. He said, we must tell our country's great story of redemption and teach our children patriotism. Uh, all that'd be, hey, but a difference of opinion is one thing. But when you vote not to certify a federal election, and of course, he's a native of Crown Heights, Brooklyn, transplant, went to Florida State as undergrad, became a Christian at age 21. And you can see the Christianity threading through his comments. He's in a, he's in a district that's over 100,000 plus on the side of Republicans in terms of registered folk. But this guy's not a serious guy. His profile is very stereotypical. Finally, he's joined a few clubs. In fact, I like what Ilhan Omar said. She said, that club you uh, created with Burgess Owens, uh, Maria Salazar, and uh, Carlos Jimenez and them, they call themselves the Freedom Force. They're against everything the squad stands for, except the squad didn't name themselves, fool. So, uh, Byron, I'm glad you said it with your chest. Uh, just realize that we all stand together. It's not going to stop you from being a victim of state violence. Go on good, into that good night, brother, uh, especially when you're giving them the gun to shoot you with. So you just stay safe. We, we still on the same team in terms of phenotype, but the rest of that noise. Take it on back over there to the uh, Super Friends. No, oh, sorry, Freedom Force, whatever that is y'all been creating. Uh, Reese, he, uh, he says that, uh, that his viewpoint uh, should be uh, accepted within the Congressional Black Caucus. I mean, what is the viewpoint? Is it white supremacy? Because that sure as hell doesn't belong with the CBC. The CBC is the conscience of the Congress. They already get dragged enough for stuff that's not even accurate and not even fair. The last thing you need is a person who's working against the interests of the CBC and black folks altogether. This is nothing more than a stunt. It's very, it's very unserious, as Dr. Carr just pointed out. But this is a great way to raise his profile off the backs of black people because, you know, the quickest way to become a martyr is to try to make it seem like black people are anti-conservatives, which we aren't. A lot of black people are conservatives, but black people are anti-the white nationalist party. That is where he runs into an issue. And so if he were bringing something like fiscal conservatism or something that was traditionally associated with Republicans before they came all out, hoods off, Klan flags flying, the white nationalist party, then you could make the case for his for his inclusion. But this is nothing more than a stunt. And if he really did want to be in it, it was probably for nothing more than networking and access to donors and access to clout and to raise his profile. But I'm not buying it. And I think that the CBC is doing the absolute right thing by sticking to their guns on this. Georgia? Yeah, I agree with Reese. I think that uh, he's a day late and a dollar short. If he wanted to be a part of the CBC, he should have said this a long time ago. He should have made it a priority in his career from the beginning. Uh, but it's, instead, I think that he has prioritized his party affiliation and he has uh, been complicit on issues concerning the black community. I want to know uh, where was his concern about the CBC when Trump was in office and his administration was passing legislation that left black people out. I want to know where his concern about the CBC was when uh, the Capitol was being stormed. And so I think that it's very convenient. It reminds me of a, a saying they used to say a lot, you know, uh, growing up that you're black card would be revoked, you know, for certain things. And, you know, I think that this brother has found himself in a bad situation, not just because of his party affiliation. Let's be clear. It's not just about the fact that he's a Republican. It's about where he's he stood on issues that concern the black community. Uh, I'm going to ask all three of you this. And Reese, I want to start with you. Uh, it, it's very interesting to uh, to watch um uh, a lot of folks, uh, highly critical of the Congressional Black Caucus. Um, 
And like I was just seeing one tweet, this guy was like, what has the CBC done? Show me the black specific laws the CBC has passed. Um, and, and, and I keep trying to walk these people through to get them to understand um, what you can and cannot do. Uh, and it's amazing. It's amazing to me. Like I had one guy and another guy uh, yesterday who was going back and forth. He was he was saying, well, they have they represent black districts. And I then told him, I said, have you actually seen the racial makeup of most of the congressional districts? I said, first of all, the average congressional district is 700,000 people. I said, please mm -hmm. show me the all black congressional districts. Um, he, he couldn't answer any of those questions. And so when you hear folks uh, say that, show me the black specific bills by the Congressional Black Caucus, how do you respond? I want, what I want to understand is, why is it that they say that as a cudgel against the CBC, but then when they need a cudgel against something like the COVID-19 uh, Anti-Hate Crimes Act, they want to bring up all of the stuff that the CBC does. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, that was led by the CBC in both the House and the Congress. Anti-lynching legislation, both of them. You know, the thing that everybody likes to talk about, all the progressives like to talk about, Medicare for All, championed by John Representative John Conyers, the HR 40 Commission, reparations, that's the CBC. As I just said, the CBC is the conscience of the Congress, but you need foot soldiers behind the CBC as well. Yelling on Twitter about we need reparations now, no reparations, no vote, is not getting us any closer to the finish line. So if you want to be critical of the CBC, make sure you turn that criticism inward towards yourself and find out what you've done to mobilize behind the CBC. Because there's no excuse for why, for instance, something like the, the Black Smithsonian, the National Museum of, of, of African American History and Culture, took decades to pass because the CBC had to continually introduce it. Every single session of Congress, the CBC is introducing the priorities of the black community. And every single session of Congress, we have black people making the same complaints without mobilizing. And that's where the issue lies. Not with the CBC members who bust their ass to try to get these things passed, but with the fact that people would rather talk, go after the CBC than go after Rand Paul, who single-handedly blocked the, uh, the, the anti-lynching legislation legislation in Congress. They would rather go after the CBC than go after Mitch McConnell, who has obstructed the agenda from since the Obama era. So we have to do something different other than criticize. We have to mobilize. And until we do that, we're going to still be stuck saying what is happening for black people, period. Um, I had, uh, I saw this tweet, Greg, uh, this person here goes, uh, powerful CBC, what have they done of significance for black people? I missed the black specific laws they got passed, like, oh, I don't know, the Asian hate bill, they all or mostly all supported, among other things. And, and I keep seeing these people, these these fake YouTube historians, Greg, uh, who keep saying, uh, it, it was like, see, 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 we prove you wrong, Roland. Uh, it's an Asian hate bill. And I'm going, it doesn't just apply to Asians, if you actually read it. And the thing I explain to people, this is not, oh, I'm defending the CBC. No. The average person is too clueless to even understand what members of Congress do. Again, I, I, you, when, when, the, when the heat pumps at Howard University went out, delayed classes a couple of winters ago, yeah. they had to go get emergency funding That's in right. Congress. That's right. Who do y'all think they called? 
Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton. That's Who does exactly she call? Right. CBC members. That's see, right. see, again, the, what, what, what kills me is that people, like, they really have no idea. I, I sent right. the emails. Congressman Bobby Scott, when he talks about a bill that he passed, or when Congressman Alma Adams talks about how she inserted several things into the farm bill that benefited mm -hmm. HBCUs. Or, I mean, I can go on and on and on. I, I remember, I never forget, Greg, I never forget, when, when President Obama was in office, the 10 the members of the CBC on the House Financial Services Commission mm. refused to vote for the banking bill. They forced Barney Frank to go get the votes elsewhere. They didn't vote against it. They said, no, y'all got to ask some stuff. And they demanded the inclusion of 3 to $5 billion uh, for minority lending offices. And I'll never forget, I got a phone call about 10 o'clock at night. It was a Thursday. Uh, hey, Roland, um, are you going to have this? Are you going to have the CBC on your show tomorrow, on Tom Jordan tomorrow, on your TV One show? Uh, 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 no, Tom Jordan. Um, uh, talk about this very issue. Now, Greg, I ain't know what the hell he was talking about, but I clearly knew it had to be something major the CBC was doing for him to call me at ten o'clock at night. And I said, No, I'm not going to have them on Friday, but I'm going to have them on Monday. Now, I was actually lying but I wanted to hear what the whole deal was. And so he then went on to explain to me this tough negotiation they were having, and like, well, we can't do all what the CBC wants. And I said, well, we'll see. I did have them on. Here's what happened. That bill got passed. It went to the Senate. The Obama White House tried to pull that 3 to $5 billion out of, out of, the, uh, out of the bill. Mm-mm. Max, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, Congressman Gregory Meeks, like, no, the hell y'all not. That actually passed. Now, I was moderating a panel at CBC uh, ALC, and a brother stood up and he said, see, uh, the CBC wrong, uh, the CBC uh, shouldn't have opposed Obama. I said, fool, that was a minimum of $3 billion. He actually said it was worth not getting the $3 billion if they opposed Obama. I said, you need to sit your dumb ass down. I said, <laughs> their job is to fight. I remember when they had the jobs tour, and they were highly critical of the administration when it came to, came to that. And Obama was not happy with them at all. Y'all, y'all think I'm lying. Go go look at the Politico story in January or February 2010 when the CBC had that first meeting with Obama. The article lays out how he was not happy with them because they were pressuring him. But what kills me are these people who keep putting stuff out. They ain't doing nothing. They, they ain't representing us. I'm like, when your ass got no clue what actually happens with Black Caucus members. You ain't got no clue. Well, Roland, I think you've just, you've just anchored where we are, not just as Black people, but as, as people who live in America. Ignorance is the coin of the realm. Ignorance mm -hmm. is how mm -hmm. the market operates. And uh, for everyone who is critical of the Congressional Black Caucus, they probably don't know uh, about language inserted in legislation around technology and infrastructure development. You might wonder how broadband access gets expanded. I mean, under poverty reduction and safety net programs or education, how do those Pell Grants get expanded? Under judicial nom uh, nominations, who's in whose ear to suggest to uh, the president who to nominate? Under immigration reform, you know how many black people? Look at Joe Naguza, uh, for example, or Yvette Clark, and ask them about immigration and how those black people that come from the Caribbean and from Africa. And when you start talking about foreign affairs and national security or homeland security, ask 
Benny Thompson, you know, what it means to be on top of that committee, because the longer you're in Congress, the more you gain seniority. Many of the Congressional mm -hmm. Black Caucus uh, members are at the top of committees or leading committees. It's very important to understand. And that's not to say they can't improve. I mean, you know, right. folk think when you think Congressional Black Caucus, you know, you got Richie Torres and, and, and uh, Delgado out of uh, New York or Ilhan Omar or Joe Naguz, as I said, continental African, first to second generation. You've got Clark from the Caribbean, Stacey Plaskett from Virgin Islands. As far as I'm concerned, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez needs to be a, a joint member because her people from the Bronx, uh, from the Bronx, which means the Dominican Republic. We have to think about the work. Finally, H.R. 1. Uh, the For the People, well, uh, Senate Bill 1, the For the People Act, is nearly 900 pages. If you haven't read it, or even part of it, you don't know whose politics and whose staffers went into crafting that legislation. Right here, so right I here, right here. This is the email. Right here, y'all. This is the email that I got on May 25th. Um, Senator, Senator Reverend Warnock and Representative Williams, Nakima Williams, introduced bicameral legislation to help people register to vote as they change residences. Okay, y y somebody watching might go, well, uh, 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 that ain't no big deal. That ain't no big deal. Okay, I'm, I'm just gonna sit here and just, you know, since folks say it ain't no big deal, uh, let me sit here uh, and, uh, and, and pull this one up. Because see, again, uh, I actually see these things. I actually, uh, um, uh, get, you know, get these actual uh, bills. Uh, Congressman, Congressman, uh, boom, right here, y'all. Uh, Representatives Jeffries, Scott, Armstrong, and Bacon introduced bipartisan bill to eliminate sentencing disparity between crack and powder cocaine. This Come is on. dated March 9th, 2021. I, I, I'm just, y'all, I'm, I'm literally reading you, again, for all y'all people out here uh, who keep just running y'all, just keep running y'all mouth uh, and saying just stupid stuff. I mean, I'm just saying you you, you kind of need to under understand what 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 actually goes on, what 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 actually happens. Uh, I mean, I can look at. I mean, I get uh, no notifications all the time uh, from Frederica Wilson uh, and her office about uh, uh, some of the things uh, that. I mean, here's, here's a perfect example. I'm looking here. I'm looking here um, uh, right here. Representative Wilson introduces bill to reestablish the advisory committee on transportation equity, dealing with the whole mm. issue of transportation, billions of dollars being spent on roads uh, uh, that impact us as well. Right here, Frederica Wilson leads charge to help retrain millions of workers who lost their jobs to COVID. I'm sorry, y'all, these are receipts. You have to read them, though, Roland. The four-letter word is R-E-A-D, brother. You out here cussing. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Georgia, again, this is not, this is not, look, let me be real clear. I said to the CBC, y'all got to do a better job uh, when it comes to your, your comms, when it comes yeah. to telling your story, or when it comes mm -hmm. to telling your narrative. Uh, but, hell, this week, we've had two CBC members on this week, Mondaire Jones and Congressman Jamal Bowen. I had a fool who actually sent me a, sent me a tweet. Uh, I ain't seen the CBC out here talking about this voting deal. I'm like, dumbass. I literally had two this week. Yeah, I, I think people are not really paying attention. And so those who would make that claim, who would say, oh, what is the CBC doing for the black community? I think that question should be posed back on them. What 
are you doing for the black mm. community? And and fundamentally, you know, speaking, I think the public, uh, for the most part, doesn't really understand the foundational concepts of how bills are even passed. And so you really have to understand politics also, that the CBC is up against politics. They're politicians. They have to play the game. They have to make nice with maybe people who don't have the black community's uh, best interest in mind, and they have to get that support one way or another. Uh, they're playing the game. Uh, and, and so in order to fully understand what all goes into that, you have to understand the game. And so I would encourage the people who uh, have the audacity to make those types of claims. I would encourage them to uh, research and educate themselves on the political process. Uh, the last thing I'll add to that, you know, you mentioned Ilhan Omar, who is is in Minnesota, and we mm -hmm. saw the moment that Trump went into office, that woman had a target on her back. Yeah. You know, hold on, uh, Ilhan Omar, a member of the CBC. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. A target on her back. And can you imagine uh, what it's like also to not only have to do your job, do your job while black, do your job while everybody's against you, but then do it while you're facing death threats and while the president of the United States is calling you out explicitly on Twitter. You know, you have to also think that uh, the, the same things that we're faced in our workplaces, it's amplified for our politicians. And so the last thing that we need to be doing is trying to uh, call them out. We need to be, if we're, if we feel like they're not doing enough, we need to call them and ask them how we can support them in doing more. And, and, and let me be real clear. Um, uh, I, I, again, I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, Congressman David Scott votes to pass enhanced consumer protections from predatory debt collections. Yeah. But Georgia made a very important point, Roland. I mean, if you don't have the numbers, you can't pass the legislation. And so, you know, Mondaire Jones might not have the numbers to get the For the People Act passed, but Joe Manchin had to fight him. Because these young cats that come, he done called Joe Manchin everything but a child of God. He done, he done <laughs> questioned his whole human existence. He, in other words, he's doing what he can do until we, to George's point, do our part. You got to get to the ballot box. And, uh, yeah, and I misspoke a, a minute ago, uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, people from Puerto Rico, not Dominican. But, uh, you know, like Malcolm X said, uh, you get mad when uh, you want me to call you uh, Negro, you want me to call you Black. So you, you, it's okay for me to call you Negro in Spanish, but not English. <laughs> uh, black people who speak Spanish, who got Black blood in them, y'all don't get mad. Because if her name was Chelsea Jones from New York, wouldn't nobody be saying she was white because she speaks Spanish? You probably go look at the history of Puerto Rico I'm not, I'm and Dominican. I'm just going to give one more. Uh, Representative Beatty Williams introduced new diversity data disclosure bill. Congresswoman Joyce Beatty, chairwoman of the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, also chair of the House Financial Services Committee on Diversity and Inclusion, and Congresswoman Nakima Williams. Uh, they joined forces to introduce the Diversity and Inclusion Data Accountability and Transparency Act, which will require regulated financial firms with more than 100 employees to disclose diversity data, enhancing transparency, accountability, and creating a more inclusive economy for all Americans. What that means is show us your data and what black folks you're hiring. Now, but, 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 but see, but see, Reese, but, 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 but the fool watching, no, 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 but it needs to be black specific. Y'all, that, Reese, go ahead. 
First of all, the Supreme Court has done away with that. And when it comes to federal appropriations or anything federal, you can forget about this big pot of gold with a leprechaun at the end of it, a black little leprechaun that says money for black people and only black people. Okay? Forget about it. That's not now, 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 there are, now, now, let's be real clear. There are federal grants that are yes. targeted to communities, but the which means that, yes, like for instance, people are like, oh, what well, the hell is $50 million that were going to agents for domestic violence? Yes, mm. and there are federal grants that are specific to uh, different groups. But the point is, when you're yes. passing a bill, you can't pass a bill, a this is for Latinos only bill. Asians exactly. only, black only. And for all y'all folks who can... Go ahead, just go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, there are ways that money is targeted and directed towards black communities, black people, black organizations, et cetera, et cetera. That, it, it's absurd for people to think that there's no way that black people and only black people get money, okay? So here's the thing. Dr. Carr said it best. Read is a dirty word right now. We've gone to the... We've gone from the point to where it's not even just that people only read a caption or people only read 280 characters, people only read one damn sentence. People only mm. read a headline. And unfortunately, with the CBC and politicians who are actually trying to do good are competing with is the meme culture, is the dumbed-down culture, where if it doesn't hit the shade room, if it doesn't hit baller alert, or if it doesn't hit their gossip blog, if it doesn't hit their particular feed, which it won't hit because the algorithms don't put it in your feed because you're not interacting with information. You're interacting with entertainment. You're interacting with things to get an emotional response out of you that you take and run with it. You're all of a sudden an expert. You're an expert on the COVID-19 vaccine. You're an expert on reparations. You're an expert on whatever the situation may be, all from memes and headlines, and you react to it instead of informing yourself. And informing yourself, by the way, is not going on YouTube and typing in your opinion and finding a bunch of assholes who are just going to regurgitate your opinion to you and make you feel smarter because you're not smarter. You're actually dumber because of it. And so, to your <laughs> point, Roland, the CBC has to realize the environment that we're in and get better on messaging. Roland has the emails that show the accomplishments. Anybody can go to congress.gov. You can go to these particular Congress people and look up on their website. I'm sure they have press releases every single day. You can follow them on Twitter, but you have to bring the information to the people because the people that are bringing the bullshit are outworking you. They're yep. getting to the people before you get to get to them. The people who have the anti-vaccine information, all the disinformation, they're getting to the people and you're not. And that's the problem. And it, it actually harms us all. But like I said, I just want to be clear. If people talk about the COVID-18, the COVID um, Anti-Hate Crimes Act, there is zero dollars specifically appropriated in that act. I've read through the bill on congress.gov. I just saw a tweet the other day from the Secretary of Interior that had millions of dollars in black organizations for whether it's for museums, whether it's for different organizations, millions of dollars. There's more money in that tweet for black people than what was in the hate crime bill for anybody. But the problem is that tweet that I saw is not hitting your timeline. That tweet that I saw is not getting in the memes that's making mm. it on all these entertainment sites where people say, you got any... I saw somebody tag me in some bullshit today where it was it was an ADOS meme that had uh, the, the the signing of the, of, the, of the hate crime bill, and then it had uh, Miss Seeley, got anything for me? This is mm. how stupid we're becoming as a people where we can't even... We can't even we can't even process anything that's not in a meme anymore. We can't seek the information out and speak from a position of strength and authority rather than a position of being fake mad about everything. Because if you were really that mad about it, 
you would inform yourself about what's being done so that you can ask these people to step it up in the ways that things aren't being done. But you aren't doing that. You're just reacting to memes, and I'm really, really sick of it. But the CBC has to get better. And I asked uh, Congressman Joyce Beatty about this. What are you guys going to do to compete with this meme culture? And they still are not there yet. And I hope that... Same here, Reese. Same here. For somebody like Congresswoman Underwood, who is exceptional, who was in a... who had a very, very tight race in 2020, I need Mm. them to get their messaging together so that we can continue to grow the ranks of the CBC and Black people who are going to be the conscience of the Congress. Uh, I've been saying the same thing. In fact, we talk about these stuck-on-stupid people. I got a stuck-on-stupid fool named Kerry Ivory uh, on YouTube. They always introducing shit, but nothing passes. Really, Kerry? Um, Pull this up, please. This is called Text of Bills for the Week of June 14th, 2021. Right here. Every single week. uh, So here's the question, Kerry. Do are you even aware of this website? Are you aware? And I'm, I'm just gonna type. See, I see. I'm, I'm make it real easy for you, Carrie. Uh, this is what I typed in: bill pa- bills passed this week by the U.S. House. Boom. What's the first one that come up, came up? Bills this week. Docs.house.gov. Hmm. How about this here? The number two action on legislation at congress.gov. Let's click that. Huh. Look at this here. These are all the actions taken by Congress. May. April. Hmm. March. Hmm. (laughs) February. January. Mm. Totals by session. Carry. This is for the people who don't understand how Congress works. Let me blow this up for you right here so you can get it. In the first session, 4,000. You know what? Let me just zoom in some more. Okay, for the folk who really, let me just zoom in a little bit more because I really want people at home to see this. 4,344 bills and resolutions were introduced in the House. 205 were passed. 2,285 were introduced in the Senate. 183 were passed. Folks, what you don't understand, you got to get 218 votes to get something passed. And so excuse me for this Mm. very basic and rudimentary civics lesson for the folk who don't know, who all they do is run their mouths um, and they're clueless, you need to understand. I, I really believe uh, we... De- pra- praise the Lord for Schoolhouse Rock growing up. 
I, I really appreciated uh, the cartoons on Saturday that taught us how government works. Because folk just run their mouths. And, and I know all the fake YouTube historians are going to be running their mouths this weekend, doing videos, dogging me, Reese, Georgia, and Greg, saying, there y'all go, uh, 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 Boule, uh, 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 Boule, <laughs> Illuminati, uh, Roland Martin, Cynthia, uh, 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 they defended the CBC. I can hear all y'all running your little dumbass mouths. Oh, defended his white Democrat masters. No, fool. It's called understanding basic civics and that's what it is mm. now i am not of the opinion that we do not push the cbc oh right. y'all can ask them i push them but what i'm not gonna do is run my mouth and then say, man, the CBC, they don't do nothing i don't know what they doing for us i ain't seen them do nothing because your ass, eyes are shut with a pair of shades on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why. It's just understand what actually happens. All right, Can I add one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. I just want to say, you also have to look at the amendments that pass. Not everything yeah. passes as a bill as it's introduced. Sometimes they have to have an amendment. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. I want you to slow that down. Okay. <laughs> To see, for all of the people watching who whine and complain, who rode a different bus to school. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Let Don't me walk y'all through this. What Reese just said is that when a bill is introduced, you as a member can attach an amendment to the bill. Right. Now, your name isn't you want the it's not your bill but you can attach an amendment to the bill so a bill might have 20 30 40 50 60 amendments also as a member you can change the language in the bill you can have a word inserted or removed you can have a line inserted, a line item inserted. You are not going to see that flashed on the New York uh, on the on the New York uh, Times Square billboard. It's not going to be on the jumbotron. Mm -hmm. That's literally how it works. And see, for all y'all, really, really, just clueless, dumb people. Please, by all means, go watch the movie Charlie, Charlie Wilson's War. Go watch Charlie Wilson's War. Hmm. A man who they call an undistinguished, booze-loving, fine women-loving congressman from Texas who happened to get billions of dollars funded for the, for the folks in Afghanistan to fight the Russians. Somebody who they were like, how, and I remember there was a line, Philip Seymour Hoffman said, how can a, a nobody congressman from Texas get all this done? He said, cause I, people owe me favors. Y'all, 
Nobody knew what the hell Charlie Wilson was doing, but billions of dollars went towards equipment to fund the war. But I'm sorry, he white. <laughs> he not in the CBC. So y'all probably would praise him for work he did. I'm just saying that's what happens when you got people who are just clueless and they don't get it, but all they want to do is whine and complain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking mm-hmm. of uh, what you what you, got, what you got to deal with with these white nationalists in Congress today, the Black mm-hmm. Pentagon Secretary, first one in history, gen- retired General Lloyd Austin, four stars, uh, testified mm-hmm. before Congress. Then you had then you had Lloyd. You got white nationalists from Arkansas, Tom Cotton, man who despises diversity, loves showing his whiteness. Listen to this round of questioning, y'all. We're gonna talk about it on the, on the back end. Mr. Secretary, I have received, along with Congressman Crenshaw, several hundred whistleblower complaints about Pentagon extremist and diversity training. I want to share just a small selection of what your own troops are saying. And, and Mr. Chairman, I have a longer list that I'd like to submit for the record. Without objection. Again, this is just a few examples. One Marine told us that military, a military history training session was replaced with mandatory training on police brutality, white privilege, and systemic racism. He reported that several officers are now leaving his unit, citing that training. Another service member told us that their unit was required to read White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo, which claims, and this is a quote, white people raised in Western society are conditioned into a white supremacist worldview. A member of the special operations community has told us that they are being instructed that, quote, the U.S. special operations community is racist. One army officer relayed to us the words of his general officer, who told him that the entire U.S. Army is racist. A midshipman at the Naval Academy said classmates are calling America a fundamentally racist place and that this sentiment is not contested by school administrators. An airman told us their unit was forced into a racist exercise called a privilege walk, where members of the wing were ordered to separate themselves by race and gender in order to stratify people based on their perceived privilege. One African-American officer disparagingly said, and I quote, the Navy thinks my only value is as a black woman and not the fact that she is a highly trained military specialist. Soldiers have come forward to tell us they are being forced to watch videos about systemic racism and documentaries that rewrite America's history as a fundamentally racist and evil nation. One Space Force officer told me that two guardians left his ranks in a short period of time One was a young African-American who said that after the training, she would never have joined the military had she known that it was such a hotbed of racism. The other was a white airman who said he didn't sign up to be indoctrinated and filed separation paperwork. Mr. Secretary, we're hearing reports of plummeting morale, growing mistrust between the races and sexes where none existed just six months ago, and unexpected retirements and separations based on these trainings alone. And again, These are not my words, these are the words of your own troops. So I want to ask a few simple but vital questions. Mr. Secretary, do you believe that our military is a fundamentally racist organization? Yes or no, please. Well, I won't give you a yes or no answer on that, Senator, because uh, it it deserves more than a yes or no. Uh, The military, like any organization, will have its challenges, but I do not believe it is a fundamentally racist organization. Thank you. We, I, I'm, sorry will, to cut you, I'm sorry to cut you off, but our time is limited. I think it is a pretty simple question. I'm glad that you agree it is not fundamentally racist. 
Do you believe that any member of the military should be treated differently based on their skin color and sex? Again, yes or no will do. Again, this question deserves more than a yes or no answer. Uh, it is Mr. Secretary, I'm sorry to cut you off. Our time is limited. It is a very simple question. Should a member of the organization you lead be treated differently in violation of the Constitution, I would add, based on their sex or the color of their skin? No, I do not believe that. And that is, the, Thank, that is okay. why we have diversity, equity, and inclusion focus in the military. It's, and the military for decades has been one of the institutions in the society where you are most likely to get ahead based on your own performance, on your own merit, irrespective of the color of your skin or where you came from or who your parents were. Sir, I Mr. absolutely Secretary, agree with that, and I am, I am an example of that. Your distinguished career is an outstanding— I would also say that— Mr. Secretary, that, Mr. Secretary, your career is an excellent example of that. But I have more questions based on the reports we've seen. The military has included the works of critical race theories on its reading list by authors like Abraham Henry Rogers, who now calls himself Abraham Kendi, and Robin D'Angelo. Mr. Kendi has written, quote, the only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination, end quote. Do you agree with that proposition? I've not read that, and I, I don't, you know, I certainly don't agree with what you just said. But I, you know, Mr. Secretary, it, it's always important to have the con full context of anything that's, uh, that you're being asked to evaluate. Mr. Secretary, do you believe that race and sex should be the key factor when selecting combat leaders, rather than, say, operational excellence, technical proficiency, leadership, agility, and integrity? I, I do not, uh, Senator. I, I think what you just said should be key components in making any, any selection. Thank, thank you. I'm glad we agree on all this. So let me just wrap up by saying this. If, if troops are subjected to the kinds of trainings drawing on critical race concepts like America and our military is inherently racist, or certain races are inherently privileged, other races are inherently victimized, given what you've said, should they report it up their chain of command or to the inspector general or to other appropriate channels? They've always had, yes, they should. They've always had that ability to Thank do that, and I would recommend that in the future. I would also say that diversity, equity, and inclusion is important to this military now, and it will be important in the future. And, and so we're going to make sure that we, you know, our military looks like America and that our leadership looks like what's in the ranks of the military. I, and I appreciate I, your support. And, on I, and I agree with that. Like I said, the military has always been one of the most diverse institutions in our society where you can get ahead irrespective of the color of your skin or who, you came, who your parents are or where you came from. And I, I'm glad that we agree on that. This is a, not about diversity in general, though. This is about a very specific kind of anti-American indoctrination that is seeping into some parts of our military based on the whistleblower complaints we have received. Thank you. My time's expired. Now, uh, after, that, uh, after that took place, uh, he, he, he was Senator Tim Kaine who allowed the defense secretary to actually answer the question. Now listen to this. Explain the context. Senator Cotton asked you a question about your own career, and you indicated that your career is an indication that the military can be welcoming to all kinds of people, but you were then going to explain the context of what your own personal experience has shown you during your time in the military uh, about why we need to take seriously these issues of diversity um, and inclusion. Uh, the senator had other questions, but 
I'd like to hear how you were going to answer that question, giving the full context. I think the leadership has a responsibility to create a climate where, where everyone, first of all, it, it should be, we should wel be welcoming to everyone uh, who, is, uh, who can qualify and who is fit to serve and who, who can maintain the standards. And secondly, uh, you know, we ought to look like Amer the America that we support and defend. And our senior leadership should look like uh, what's in the ranks. And where we've done a great job in, uh, in recruiting the, uh, the very qua uh, highly qualified and capable people, I think we need to do a, a bit uh, better in terms of making sure that we're absolutely inclusive and making sure that, that we create pathways or pathways are available for everybody that's in the ranks to, uh, to achieve, the, you know, to, to realize their full potential. And so that's what that diversity, equity, and inclusion is all about. Uh, it's about cohesion. It's, it's about making sure that, uh, that we, we uh, remain, remain the most effective and lethal fighting force in the, in the world. And uh, we have been in the past, and we will be in the future. And when we've moved toward diversity, the military, it's always made us stronger. When, Secretary Tr when President Truman integrated the military, it was not uniformly popular. In fact, I believe a secretary of the army ended up resigning after refusing to desegregate units about a year after the order. But, but moves like that, where the military has often led society in building cohesion, the military does it well. They're not always immediately popular, but they end up paying dividends not just for the military, but for American society. It has to be done sensitively, carefully, by people who understand it. But, but I applaud you and other leaders who are trying to do See, Georgia, <laughs> this is why these things matter. You got white nationalist Tom Cotton, who hates diversity, who is all about whiteness, wants to be in denial, and then they love holding up the magical Negro. Well, we'll, 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 we'll look at you. <laughs> and you, what you heard Secretary Austin say, yeah, we've done a good job recruiting black folks and Latinos but when they go up that chain, how many blacks have become four-star generals and three-star generals and two-star and one-star generals? See, they don't want to deal with that, okay? And the cotton doesn't want to deal with uh, the Military Times and the other uh, media outlets that have reported, the Associated Press, just a week ago, did a detailed report on discrimination in the armed, armed services. It makes a world of a difference when you have context, when you allow someone to articulate themselves instead of pigeonholing them into a yes or no response. And so to him, you know, I'd like to ask a yes or no question. Did Christopher Columbus discover America? <laughs> Did uh, white corporations uh, own slaves that, that are still in existence today? You know, and so I would like to ask some very clear yes or no questions to give him the context that is required to make an informed decision uh, when you're talking about the men and women who are putting their lives on the line for our country. You have to take more care and compassion when you're talking about those who are bravely uh, 
leaving their families uh, to stand for all of us to have the security uh, that we've maintained here in America for so long. And so I think it is uh, embarrassing and it is a shame uh, to see that type of, of ignorance used uh, to to try to make decisions that will affect our military. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that this is also a great example of what uh, black people who are in elected positions are up against. Mm -hmm. They're up against this rhetoric. They're up against uh, the white supremacy. And, and think about how rude and disrespectful, yes or no, yes or no. And, and think now, if the response would have been anger uh, or, or talking over, then now all of a sudden you're an angry black man. You're an angry black woman, you know? And so I think that this was a great example, Roland, to, to point to and even to add to the conversation we were having before about the CBC. This is what our elected officials of color are up against when they're in there, they're on the floor, and they're advocating for things that would, would make our society, our nation, more equitable. I, I guess, Reese, um Cotton didn't come across this story. Dated May 27th, 2021. Deep-rooted racism discrimination permeate U.S. military. That's why they got to take those damn classes. Because, see, I bet <laughs> you of those so-called 700 whistleblowers, most of them are white boys who do not like having to be confronted with their bigotry and when, with this black Pentagon chief saying, mm-mm, we throwing you extremists, you extremists out of the U.S. armed services. Exactly. I mean, Tom Cotton was detailing that deep-seated racism. If learning about the actual history, not this proper... They call it, what, anti-American history? That's American history. If it's not pretty, that's because American history is not pretty. If that's enough to make you withdraw from the Army, you didn't have no damn business being in it in the first place. But it's really interesting how when white people like Tom Cotton, white nationalists like Tom Cotton talk about irrespective of race or gender... They're full of shit because most of the white people got there as a result of race and gender. Okay, so their whole default when he's when he's when he's prodding uh, Secretary Austin to talk about irrespective of race, irrespective of gender, what he's saying is those positions should go to white people. That's what he's saying. He's saying that when they go to black people, it's because of their race or it's because of their gender. And that is the problem. That's the, I, that is the, the epitome of white supremacy. When the white is right, white default measurement is used for what involves merit. There is deep-seated racism within the military. Secretary Austin is the first secretary, black secretary of defense. And we know how diverse the, the, uh, the army is. And so why is it taking this long to get a black person who is the head, you know, the secretary of defense of this country? And, and I love but, that but, whole deal, Reese. He's like, well, you know, of, of all, the U.S. military has been, uh, you know, an opportunity to get a fair shot. Yeah. Do you act like they've been perfect? No. <laughs> and I remember 
And, and 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 I remember being in high school, the military coming to our classroom saying, look around, look to your left, look to your right. Not, some of y'all ain't gonna make it through college. They were discouraging people from going to college when I was in the 11th grade. So yeah, when you sit up there and you try to indoctrinate black and brown kids into believing that they don't have a future through education or through a career, they only have a future in signing up for the military, you're gonna do pretty well on your recruitment. But how do they ascend to the different levels within the military. That is what the measurement is. And unfortunately, what the white nationalists are measuring is there's too many of you black people making it ahead and we want to keep the status quo. Well, that is done. And I'm glad that Secretary Austin refused to just give yes or no answers. And he was important to add that context. Context is something that is always lacking in all of our political discourse this day. Uh, I guess also, Greg, he missed this story from February 25th, 2021. Pentagon report warns of threat from white supremacists inside the military. A small number of extremists within the ranks carry the potential to carry out, quote, high-impact actions, the report says. Senator Thomas Cotton, mm, he didn't quote from that report. Hmm. Well, I mean, Tom Cotton is not stupid. There's a substantive issue, that's what we're discussing, the range, the complexity of them. And then there's the political issue. Um, in terms of foreign policy in the military, use of the military, I suspect that General Austin and uh, Senator Gilligan, I mean, uh, Tom Cotton, uh, <laughs> probably are closer in agreement. Um, you know, for Tim Kaine to evoke Harry Truman, a Klan-adjacent N-word spewing racist who bomb, who used the atomic bomb twice, only time, two times in human history, and used it against the Japanese uh, as a, a stalwart of integration when he reluctantly integrated, read the report 1957 to secure these rights. Uh, you know, this guy's a segregationist growing up in Missouri. But anyway, that's, that's another story. We, we don't confuse the push for diversity, equity, and inclusion in the military which is part of the settler colonial project. I mean, it's nothing. And Richard Pryor said, would you want them mad at us too? I mean, you know, a lot of times black people mm -hmm. join the military to escape a certain political econ uh, economic condition. It ain't like we love this country so much, but but that's a different story. What, what we see there with Tom Cotton is positioning for 2024. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so, you know, when he evokes... Uh, Ibram Kendi, my friend Ibram Kendi, who we call by his government name, which, by the way, is fighting words where I'm from. When you start using your government name, somebody changed their name to an African name. But we know how that would end, as my man Black Thought in Philly would say, first thing to fall is cats with no chin. So I suppose Tom <laughs> Cotton would be going very quickly in the uh, Chin Check Club, along with uh, his friend Ted Cruz and that junior senator from Kentucky. Maybe they can borrow some chin from young Josh Hawley, who got seems, all their chins. But anyway, the point is that <laughs> is positioning himself for 20 24. This racist who last year, when he was attacking the New York Times, said slavery was a necessary evil. The one mm. upon which the union was built. This year, who tweeted out that we have an under-incarceration problem, meaning mm. locking up people like you, me, George, and Reese, and who just said a uh, month before last, when uh, the last month, actually, when the anniversary of George Floyd's uh, murder came, that that tweet that came from the White House could have come from the Communist Party of China. Tom Cotton is not engaged. He don't care nothing about no facts. This man is trying to, he's auditioning for the role of not only lead white nationalists, they're all lining up to see if Trump collapses, whether they can be the Republican nominee. He's not just a white nationalist, he's a white supremacist. 
Mm-hmm. And if you start you start matching up genes, bruh, I don't know that you with that cheech from a uh, screech from say by the bell chin and that flop sweat usually beneath your nose and above your. I don't know that you should be. He's auditioning for the hillbilly vote for 2024. That's all right, Tom Lander Cotton. And, and then you got folks like Florida Rep uh, Mike Waltz who wrote a letter to West Point Military Academy superintendent, who's black, demanding the school cease teaching critical race theory immediately. Waltz reasons that the cadets are not, quote, activists, and some will go on to hold powerful positions running the country. Hey, dumbass, that's why. Walt said he has some parents complaining after they heard about some lectures called Understanding Whiteness and White Rage in a classroom slide labeled White Power at West Point. Playa, there has been racism at West Point, and the black folks have been talking about it. I keep telling these folk, these white folks cannot handle what's going on. Going to a break, we come back. Hakeem Jeffries even questions the FBI director about using the phrase violent white terrorist. Also, McDonald's wins around in court with black franchisees who sued them. We'll break all of that down next right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. When you study the music, yeah. you get black history by default. And so no no other craft could carry as many words as rap music. I try to intertwine that and make that create the whatever I'm supposed to send out to the universe. A rapper, it, you know, for the longest period of time had gone through phases. I love the word. I hate I hate what it's become, you know, in, in to this generation, the way they visualize it. It's narrative kind of like has gotten away and spun away from, I guess, the ascension of black people. Black women have always been essential. Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. how are you gonna pay us like that? And it's not just the, the salary. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a whole number of issues that have to support us as women. Yeah. But that's what we deserve. Mm-hmm. That we shouldn't have to beg anybody for that. I think that we are trying to do our best as a generation to honor the fact that we didn't come here alone and we didn't come here by accident. I always say every generation has to define for itself what it means to move the needle forward. Black TV does matter, dang it. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Folks, again, what we're dealing with in this country, white supremacy in so many different areas, uh, but the nation doesn't really want to deal with those issues. Congressman Hakeem Jeffries uh, had an opportunity to ask FBI Director Christopher Wray specifically about this issue with these violent white domestic terrorists. Watch this. Why is the FBI generally reluctant to use the term violent white supremacy? I don't, I mean, I think we use the term racially motivated violent extremism partly because we're trying to make clear to our people and everyone who's involved that our focus, that doesn't mean everybody else's focus, but our focus is on the violence. And so part of the reason we changed some of our nomenclature was to make especially sure that what's important to us, and it gets back to this idea that we have one standard, it doesn't matter what your motivation is or how abhorrent or despicable your motivation is, what we have to be focused on is the violence. 
I understand that uh, the violence is largely being driven by uh, white supremacy as an ideology. If you don't name the problem and claim the problem, it seems to me that it's hard to tame the problem. That's why I'm raising uh, this particular uh, issue. In terms of domestic terrorism, uh, I think you've testified in the past that this is uh, a growing problem that we've experienced in America, correct? Domestic terrorism? Absolutely. That's correct. Yes. And I would argue that it is actually a problem that has been with us uh, for centuries. We know that the KKK was founded in 1865. That's a terrorist organization. Uh, we know that the lynchings that took place in the 1800s and the 1900s were acts of domestic terror. The murder, the brutal killing of Emmett Till uh, in 1955, that was an act of domestic terror. The bombings of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, which took place in 1963, that was an act of domestic terror, killing four beautiful black little girls. This most recent January 6th instance, the attack on the Capitol that resulted in death and mayhem was an act of domestic terror. And the through line through all of those instances is white supremacy. I hope that the FBI will use all of its resources to tackle this persistent problem. I yield back. That's what you do. And that's what happens, um, uh, Greg, when you have black caucus members trying to push the issue. As he said it, you got to name it. You got to name it and call it what it is. You can't talk, say, oh, it's terrorism. No, no, no. It's white domestic terrorism, because trust me, if it was Muslims, they would be saying Muslims all damn day and demanding every Muslim leader in America denounce it. Well, if they choose to stay in electoral politics and the demographics keep changing, I, I look forward to the day when uh, Senator Turner uh, or um, Senator Bush out of Missouri, uh, or I guess they could do it on the House side now, push it a little farther than our friend and brother Hakeem Jeffries to remind us that state terror looks like the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which began with the uh, the racial conditions persecution of Marcus Garvey and attempts to destroy A. Philip Randolph and everybody else and continued right on up through the counterintelligence program. But I know he's got to get right up to that line because Hakeem also has presidential aspirations. That having been said, the challenge we have is the same challenge as a through line to talk about through lines. It's a through line between the FBI and the domestic area, the CIA internationally, and the military globally, which is white nationalism is not an outlying thing that's invading these institutions. They are, it is the core of the way they were constructed. Now, I will agree with mm -hmm. Senator Tom mm -hmm. Land of Cotton on that regard when he attacks the 1619 Project by saying slavery was a necessary evil. That's how white nationalism views us. Our mm -hmm. whole job mm -hmm. is to try to fit into a structure, and when you've got outliers, that's when they will say, oh, well, maybe we should talk about these people. This is the bad apple theory. It's not a bad apple. It's a bad tree. Now, I don't mm -hmm. know how we root it out. <laughs> and Hakeem probably went as close as you can get without, you know, getting a heart transplant from the aforementioned Congresswoman Bush or perhaps the new-to-be uh, Congresswoman uh, Turner. But, you know, for where he is, I guess that was pretty good. I'd give him a C. <laughs> Recy? 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, white nationalism, white domestic <laughs> extremist terrorism, all the stuff you want to call it, is a breaking break the glass in case of emergency for white nationalism. And that yes. is the government working as designed. That's why Joe Manchin is, is against the For the People Act when he was an original co-sponsor of it. That's why he won't, he won't weaken the filibuster, have any reforms for it, even though previously he was for some small reforms. That's why Tom Cotton doesn't want the, 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 uh, the military learning about the true history of this nation. That's why Christopher Ray, who was appointed by Donald Trump, is going to call it racial terror. I remember when the Republicans uh, were on President Obama's ass all day, every day. You need to call it radical Islamic terrorism. Radical Islamic terrorism. That's all it. He didn't, he could call it, anything else he called it was not good enough. It had to specifically be radical Islamic terrorism. But when it comes to white domestic terrorism, white supremacist terrorism, they don't want to call a thing a thing. Because at the end of the day, that's what they're going to fall back on as the demographics continue to change. The January 6th insurrection was an insurrection for a democracy that is inclusive of all of us. Even though we, our votes are suppressed and they did everything they can to try to stop us from voting, it's, a, it's about as inclusive as it's going to get short of any kind of reforms the Democrats are able to ram through. But the reason why they're not that mad at it is because it's a break glass in case of emergency. Trump wasn't the emergency for them. But we have to be on the lookout for when they feel that emergency is coming. It could be in the next decade or two decades, but it's coming. And that's why they're not going to root it out. And that's why you got to have members of Congress continue to put the pressure on them to call it what it is, Georgia. And so for those of you Absolutely. who say this is no big deal, it is because when you call it what it is, then you can direct resources to it and you can't allow the game being played. The FBI, hell, has announced they've already made 500 arrests tied to the January 6th insurrection. you got to call that thing what it is. That was white domestic terrorists attacking the United States. Absolutely, Roland. And, and every decade, I feel like the language, it morphs into something different. And so what used to be KKK is now, what, make America great again, or now save America, white supremacy, white nationalism, whatever you want to call it, it's fundamentally the same thing. It's fueled by the same principles and the same values. And you could say the same thing about the other side. Uh, when you look back at the civil rights era, affirmative action and different components that were pushed back then to really combat and resist uh, white nationalism, right? Uh, and so now, yeah, we have diversity, equity, inclusion. Every decade, every every turn, we have new iterations, but fundamentally, it's the same principles. And so I believe that we are at a turning point in our nation where people who believe in white privilege, people who believe in white supremacy, whose identity is founded on that, whose uh, political campaign was uh, powered and funded by others who have those same fundamental beliefs. They are threatened. And, and most of them, we're seeing them act out in fear that uh, when, when Black and other minority groups get a seat at the table, when we really start calling these things w what they are, when we really get to the root of it and we're able to root it out, what are they left with? What are they left mm -hmm. with 
in 20 years when the tables turn and the quote-unquote minorities of this nation are the majority? What are they left with? Because they won't have white privilege. They won't have supremacy. They won't be above on, on any level in any industry. And so I think uh, that what we're seeing uh, is is them really try to, uh, you know, fight against uh, the, the tables turning. And uh, there's really, in, in the next few years, nothing much that, that they can do about it. Uh, absolutely. Folks, let's go to Virginia, where the governor, Ralph Northam, teamed up with uh, Meek Mill uh, to sign House Bill 2038. Uh, this deals with the issue of uh, 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 reform. Uh, and he, this is what he said in a news conference about this bill. Check this out. We have taken important steps forward to reform our criminal justice system. We've raised the felony larceny threshold and ended the practice of suspending people's driver's license for unpaid fines and fees or for non-driving related offenses. We have ended the use of the death penalty here in Virginia and in just a few weeks marijuana possession for adults will no longer be illegal in our commonwealth. We have done these things because our criminal justice system has been inequitable for far too long. Too many crimes bring lengthy sentences that outweigh the severity of the offense. And that has resulted in far too many people, particularly too many people of color in our prisons and jails. While none of these policies will end the problems of mass incarceration on their own, every step forward matters. And the step we're celebrating today is indeed a very important one. Too many people are in prison not because of the original crime they committed, but because once they were out on probation, they did something that caused the court to revoke their probation and send them back to prison. According to a 2019 report from the Council of State Governments, a quarter, a quarter of state prison admissions nationwide are for technical violations of probation or parole. In now let's go to Michigan, folks, where a six-year-old boy is recovering at home after being threatened with a sledgehammer and then shot as he retrieved his bike from his neighbor's front yard. Watch this.
The child's father, Arnold Daniels, says his kids were outside on their bikes when they stopped and left one of them in front of Ryan Lewin's home. When Kobe went back to get his bike, uh, um, Lewin came out with a sledgehammer in his hand and said something to the child. After that, Lewin went into his home and shot a gun through the front window, hitting Kobe in the arm. Luckily, the bullet went through the child's arm. Doctors told Daniel that had the bullet been an inch in either direction, it likely would have killed Kobe. Lewin was arrested and charged with assault with intent to murder. He's, well, he was released on a $10,000 bond. And the emergency motion has been filed to raise the bond. No shit, Reese. I said, get a uh, listen. I know some people don't agree with capital punishment. Give this motherfucker the electric chair, okay? What kind of sicko do you have to be to shoot a six year old over a bike in your yard? Fry his ass up. No trial. Straight straight to the electric chair. And they bring it back to shooting. What are they they're doing? The, uh, the shooting? The fire South Carolina Fire Squad in South, in South Carolina. Carolina. Extradite his ass to South Carolina and send him on a fire squad. That is the only just result. I know the little boy survived. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But he, I don't have any problems with the firing squad on his ass. $10,000, Georgia? That Dude almost as, killed as a, a mother, child. Yeah, as a mother, it breaks my heart. I have three children, and I can't imagine how it would feel to learn that my children were out riding their bike and were shot. And the thing that really frustrates me with this case, well, I mean, there's layers. But you have Ryan, uh, who is an Asian man. Let's address the anti-blackness that exists in other minority groups. Let's address mm -hmm. the fact that while everybody wants to lump us together and call us BIPOC and Kumbaya, all of this solidarity, which is great, before that can really be authentic, we have to address the anti-blackness that exists in other groups. That there, mm -hmm. are, uh, there are some people, Asian, indigenous, Hispanic, who have the same uh, white supremacist ideology and, and those stereotypes so deeply ingrained in them that they won't hesitate to shoot a little boy, right? And then when you look at the judicial system that allows this man to get out on a $10,000 bond, it's very, very clear how America values black life or or should i just be frank how america does not value black life great that's right uh georgia said it i mean and and and, and by articulating that way and joining those two things together it's very compelling the two things being the idea of anti-blackness everyone looks at black life as not human life there are no humans mm -hmm. involved i wasn't mm -hmm. shooting a human being mm -hmm. i was shooting a little threat and then the field of violence that is the United States of America, Senator Gilligan. In other words, this country is born in settler violence. And it, mm -hmm. the only way you check that instinct is a fundamental restructuring. So what you're seeing is someone who has been indoctrinated in a culture of anti-blackness, who has been empowered by a culture of violence to act out that anti-blackness. You, in other words, all you. In fact, the, the tragedy is this: this isn't an outlier story. Of course, he mm -hmm. got bail. You mm -hmm. didn't shoot at a human being, and it's going to happen tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And one day, we're going to remember what we did up until fairly recently, the last maybe fifty years or so, which is shoot back, baby. 
And then at that point, when you call the police, they're going to have decisions to make. This doesn't end well for anybody in this country because people are only going to take getting shot at so much before they start shooting back. And that's when you're going to find out how the people in the damn police force hate the other half. Don't call. In other words, this this deteriorates. This is the deterioration of the society we just saw in that attack on that mm. child. Uh, well, mm -hmm. the outcry was tremendous, and as a result, uh, about a few a few hours ago, uh, Ryan Lee Wynn is back in custody. He was picked up. Go to my computer, please. He was picked up uh, after his bail was increased to a hundred thousand dollars during a hearing uh, on Thursday. And so, again, the video was captured on a ring camera, uh, and uh, but uh, Lee uh, uh, Wynn is in prison. Uh, as we speak, as a result again of the, the live protest, he still he still has he still has a bail number though, right? Yeah, hundred thousand dollars. Let us not forget Kyle Rittenhouse. Y'all better watch that GoFundMe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great point. Great point. Folks, in Minneapolis, activists are calling for an investigation into the lack of body camera footage and the fatal shooting of a black man. Uh, officers on a U.S. Marshals Service task force killed Winston Smith Jr. during an attempt to arrest him on a warrant for illegal possession of a firearm. During the arrest, Smith allegedly failed to comply with officers' commands and produced a handgun, resulting in task force members firing upon the subject. Folks, in addition to the investigation, activist groups are also demanding the head of the United States Marshal for the District of Minnesota, Ramona Doman, be fired. The U.S. Marshal Service does not allow body cameras for officers on this task force. However, while deputy marshals do not yet wear body cameras, the Justice Department permits state, local, and tribal task force officers to wear them. The Hennepin County Sheriff's Office has now issued a body camera to one of the deputies involved in the shooting. Still, Sheriff's Office officials were told it could not be used while the deputy worked on task force operations. That's stupid to me. I'm sorry, Georgia. I keep saying to people over and over and over again, yeah. every law enforcement agency in America should be required to wear body cameras. I don't give a damn if your ass is a cop for the, for the, for the metro for the school district, if you, whether it's whether it's county, state, federal, task force, every single, you got a gun, you're going to apprehend somebody, there should be a body camera on every single one of those officers. That's right, Roland, and I'm in Minneapolis. And so, you know, when you look at this, it's 2021. It is recommended practices for transparency and accountability that officers are wearing their body cameras. And so to learn that U.S. Marshals, which are simply just uh, officers who have been on the job for about five years who are deputized to work on uh, this task force, right, uh, that they're allowed then to not wear their body cameras. And so we've seen since this happened, uh, three different counties withdraw their uh, deputies from serving on the, the task force. We have not heard uh, any statement from Ramona Doman. In fact, uh, the activists and community leaders who have been organizing on police accountability even well before George Floyd went to Ramona's house. She had been mm. escorted about maybe 20 minutes before uh, by uh, different feds. They came, they got her from her home, and it, it was a small group of people asking her for transparency, asking her to answer uh, questions, asking her to address the public about what happened to Winston Smith, who was a father of three and a comedian. Now, th the one thing I will say right before uh, the show started, I was at a press conference uh, right at the intersection uh, where that, that parking ramp is where he was killed. And the attorneys for the only witness made a statement today. They said that their client was in the car when Winston Smith was fatally shot. 
and she did not see a gun. She did not see Winston Smith, who, who they said had a gun. On top of that, what has made this uh, case uh, very, very complex, and I think part of the reason why we're not seeing this specific um, uh, killing in, in national headlines as much as we did George Floyd and Dante Wright is because the Star Tribune, which is a credible, uh, one of the, the legacy outlets here, they, they made a, a statement saying in their initial uh, article about this, this killing that Winston Smith was a murder suspect. And that narrative is so damaging. Uh, obviously, people were in their homes and even people in the black community were wondering if Winston Smith was the man who was accused of killing babies in North Minneapolis. We've had three children shot, two of them killed by senseless gun violence. So a lot of people, when they heard that initial report, were like, well, maybe the cops are actually doing their jobs this time. But in fact, it was a lie. It was a lie that now white people in Minnesota, are they have that in their mind. They're like, oh, the, the the murder suspect, but he was not a murder suspect. Um, and let's just say worst case scenario, he was. Well, what happened to, to Dylan Roof, who indeed was a murder suspect, who indeed had just killed nine people? Why is it that a, a white Two man people. who Two goes people. into a church while people are praying, how is it that he can be escorted out alive? But here, in the case of Winston Smith, you're saying he's a murder suspect, so he can't be apprehended. But so on uh, this case, on so many different levels, uh, you know, I, I think it, it really deserves more attention than it's been getting. And I think that people really need to examine the way that the U.S. Marshals operate because they're not operating under the same guidelines as local police departments and the, the county uh, sheriff's offices. And so we need to take that same level of accountability and transparency that we have demanded from our local police departments and apply that on a federal level and ask ourselves why Ramona Doman, who was appointed by Trump, is is still in her position. Mm -hmm. uh, ab absolutely. Um, a great analysis there. Um, folks, um, you know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I got you, huh? Um, illegally selling water with our permit? On my property. Whoa! Hey! Hey, remember, give me your ass. You don't live here. I'm uncomfortable. Well, y'all, my goodness. At Mount Tabor in southeast Portland, a white woman thought it was a great idea to deface the statue commemorating York, an enslaved black member of the 1804 Lewis and Clark expedition. For the second time in three months, the monument was vandalized. This time, it was caught on video. Here is today's crazy-ass white woman. Do you want to give us your name on the... On the yeah, my name is Jeanette K. Grody. My date of birth is 91378. Hey, way to be part of the solution. Good job. Come fucking arrest me. Good job. I'm first, not color, race, or sex. What's your name? This is not even fucking My name is Steph Brody. Reporting to a place I will pay for damages if you want me to. Fuck all of you. I've been prejudiced against black people and Hispanic people, and everybody has, I'm sure you've been prejudiced against people have as well. I don't give a fuck. Do whatever the fuck you want. All right. There's love and unity, not the fucking, not to replace a white man with a fucking black man. That is not fucking.
fucking unity. Yeah, you go ahead, shake your head. I've read the white privilege book or whatever the fuck okay, else you want for Unity Spiritual Center. I don't give a fuck. Which one of y'all want to go ahead and comment? Go ahead. Hey, I'm just glad you're getting some shine. The only person, <laughs> only time I, first and only time I've been to Portland, I asked them, take me to the campus of Lewis and Clark College so I can see the statue of York. There's a statue in Louisville. There's one in St. Louis. There's a couple on the campus of the University of Portland. York didn't just accompany uh, William Clark and, and Rogers Lewis. He was enslaved by William Clark. And as my man Frank X. Walker, who's at the University of Kentucky, has wrote a whole epic poem about him. And there's only a couple of books about him. One's called In Search of York. York was the cat they were sending out in front of them. The Native Americans called him the big medicine. They said, we ain't never seen a human being like this. <laughs> York, he got back to St. Louis and Clark wouldn't let him go. He wanted his, his, He had a wife in Louisville who they sold to Louisiana. And then eventually they say that he finally got out of enslavement and went back to Native America where he was living out there near where you are, Georgia, apparently as an older man. That's part of the legend. So what this white girl did, who's only speaking English because the settlers came across the damn land and York was with them. And now you speak in English in the great upper uh, Pacific Northwest. The, the beautiful thing about it is what this woman inadvertently did might interject York into the imagination of some people to go back and see, well, why the hell is she so mad at that statue? Go read up on York. He's a fascinating brother, the big medicine. And you can't do nothing with him with a spray can either. They uh, they put the statue up, Georgia, uh, in February after uh, protesters toppled uh, one of a white man. And uh, clearly, uh, spray paint Karen is just not too happy <laughs> at all uh, that the statue of the brother is up. Yeah, let me just say, I have never been so ashamed to be half white. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Karen... <laughs> Karenism is a pandemic in and of itself, and uh, violence by white women is real. I mean, we have often painted white men out to be the ones that are perpetuating harm in the black community, but white women are just as guilty. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just... <laughs> For, for people to try and present themselves to be so educated and, you know, so correct and uh, that they should be model citizens, you know, it has been a, a relief, actually, in some ways, to see their true colors captured on camera. Uh, and it, it's absolutely hilarious. But uh, on the other hand, it's absolutely terrifying to know that we can be out in community and uh, be approached by uh, women who have have this much anger and we have seen that same character we we saw that character uh, uh accuse a, a young black man of of stealing uh, her cell phone we've seen that that same karen call the cops on a bird a black bird watcher you know and so it's like we continuously see this character uh, reveal itself in every city in every state there is a karen uh and you know i'll just say frankly though i do feel bad for um the Karens out there who are good women, because uh, <laughs> that lady right there, she is making, she's giving Karens a bad rep. Um, Reese, uh, I, I, I'm surprised we have not gotten her name, uh, but I can't wait to her ass get fired. Well, she said, I dare you to arrest me, bitches. I am white. I am upset. <laughs> I'm going to deface this property. It is my right as a white woman who's upset. 
What were them symbols about, though? Why is she, why is she, what's the gender symbol, symbols got to do with anything? Go ahead and put the Nazi sign on that girl. Just lean into it. That's what <laughs> you are. You are white supremacists. Go ahead and own it, girl. What you, what you drawing purple symbols for? What's that supposed to mean? Yeah, I thought she, I, I, initially I thought she was celebrating Prince. I didn't know what the hell the purple was about. That was just, <laughs> that was just, she don't know what the hell she was doing. But the reason why it's funny to me is because they're so triggered. They're so triggered by what? By a statue of a black man? All you know, they put a statue of a black man, God rest his soul, who is a slave. That's what mm. we get. Right. We get slave statues. We get slave movies. Mm. And like they put, you know, somebody up there who's who's who, who's doing something that's a threat to black to white people. What is she that mad about? But I do. I would. She gave him. Her, her her name and date of birth. He might have been trying to steal your identity, girl. He might have agreed with what you're talking about, but he said, let me go ahead and get this crazy white lady's identity, open up a little account, and go on ahead and get my life. I mean, she's very dumb, very triggered, very upset for no reason. I guess we can add black slave statues to the list of white people not enjoying that or long weekends or cookies. The list is just growing and growing and growing. I'm going to need y'all to get it together because that's why your life expectancy is going down as a race. Because you're too upset about little shit. You're too upset. Get it together, girl. But go ahead and relocate her. And hey, all y'all out there who could do something with her name and date of birth, go ahead and do something. Uh, I'm going to uh, save my next crazy-ass white person for after my next interview. There are always some video. And black folk, we do stuff a little different, y'all. We got a little bit more flavor. Uh, we put that Tony Chasseray's Creole seasoning on it. Uh, we don't have struggle chicken. So, so in North Carolina, some students were graduating, and the principal of the school, he decided uh, to go showtime at the Apollo at the graduation. Check out Principal Marcus Gauze of T. Wingate Andrews High School. Principal Gauze joins us right now. Doc, how you doing? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, that was, uh, so when did you decide, was that impromptu? Did you plan that? What caused you to say, uh, this is how I want to send off my students? Hey, so we have had like a, a tumultuous year and the kids have lost out on so much. 
Um, and so I wanted to do something that I thought would be memorable and special for them. So I actually let my uh, my valedictorian, Miss Trinity Goss, she's the one who who chose the song for graduation. So she she gets the credit too. Now, do you often sing to your students, or was that like a first time thing? Oh no, sir! This is like a tradition for graduations. Like we we typically sing a nice little song for them at most graduations. Um, or their senior awards programs or something like that. But we, we typically try to make sure that we give them a nice song to go out with. Uh, have you been surprised at, at, at how quickly this thing uh, has gone viral? Uh, Brother Martin, I'm a country boy from Supply, North Carolina. Um, absolutely. <laughs> uh, this has been absolutely an amazing response and, and something that, I, again, I never really expected at all. Uh, how long you been singing? I mean, do you do you sing with the group? Do you sing in the church choir, or do you do, or do you just just do on your own? Well, I've been singing since I was a little boy. Like I've been singing in church, um, probably since I was four or five years old. Like it's been something that I've done for most of my lifetime. My family at one time uh, come from a pretty large family. My family at one time had a had a choir that I sing with as well. Um, but there, no formal training is just, um, you know, when your mom and daddy tell you, go sing that song for the people. That's that's just kind of where I got my training from. <laughs> uh, I, got, I got folks uh, here uh, uh, on, on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, they're looking at the colors you're wearing uh, and, and they're saying, is, is he a North Carolina A&T graduate? They're trying to figure out the color scheme. Hey, absolutely. I'm an Aggie until I die. All right. Uh, <laughs> questions for my, I'm go, my panels. Let me let me go to our HBCU professor, uh, Dr. Greg Carr. Greg, your your uh, question first. Uh, thank you, Roland, and, and congratulations, uh, Dr. Goss. How are you working on you? You finishing up a half point from where I'm saying, right? Absolutely, just finished and graduated in May. So yes, I am oh. done. Okay, Dr. Goss. Then, then, then. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> look, man. My only question is. Uh, you know, you become the most uh, the most famous high point resident in music. I suppose can you let the rest of the world know who, who, the only other musician we might know out of High Point, North Carolina, for the rest. Let of me us. tell you what: none other than the infamous Fantasia Barino, and she's actually <laughs> a graduate of T. Winget Andrews High School. Oh, brother, that's the school you at, right? That's where I'm at. And how long you been? Pre- how long you been principal? I've been principal there for four years. Got it. Oh, see, now, see, now, you know who I was thinking about. I, I forgot about Fantasia. I'm thinking about John Coltrane, bro. That's exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. But I had to give my T-Wing at Andrews plug now. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> hey, man, congratulations, Doc. That's beautiful, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank y'all. Georgia? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, thank you for sending off students that way. It was so beautiful to think about that song uh, to, to students, you know, and, and it's so powerful to see you uh, use your position with them to, to send them off well. What, what is the importance of, of having black educators? I think that in some communities, we don't have enough of them. Especially career, black male. Have you seen... Yeah, yeah. How have you seen uh, having black educators impact students? Um, so I'll actually use my own child as a as a as an example. He has more or less had his first um, black male teacher this school year, and when I tell you that he's been able to check him real quick, like um, in our own little special way, um, and so the school that I work 
um, T. Andrews is a school that's predominantly black. Um, and so the educators there know exactly we, we have our own dialogue. We have our own communication, honestly, as a culture. And I think that it's important for them to be able to see us in other positions. And there's nothing wrong with people earning a living as uh, custodians and classified employees. But I think it sends a very powerful message when they have black educators and teachers and, 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 and administrators that are leading their schools. And so I, I, I stand behind that because I think that that's something that will be impactful for them forever. It allows them to be themselves. Racy. Dr. Gauze, I love that you're showing that educators and principals can be multifaceted. They don't have to be pigeonholed into these super serious roles. My question for you is, and we won't probably know this person, but is there another educator in your school, I think you said it was a tradition, right, that Mm -hmm. you think could give you a run for your money in a viral clip in terms of their singing voice that you like (laughs) to duet with? And then you also said that the student chose the song for you. Is there another song that maybe if you got an encore, you would do that song? Well, I will tell you, I'll answer your first one. Um, there are a couple of really talented individuals that can probably sing me under the bus uh, <laughs> that work in my building. Uh, and so, yes, I'm definitely going to give them their, their, their shout outs. Like, I, I don't want any. I don't want no, I don't want any problems. Uh, but there are, um, there were a couple of other songs that we considered. Um, one, of, one of them was um, Love. Um, and just simply um, what the world needs now was Love, sweet love. Um, mm. And that song was some one of the ones that we thought about. And then the other one um, was was John Legend's rendition of Bridge Over Troubled Water. Um, mm. So we, we, we I, I went back and forth with these songs. But again, the only way we decided was just to let just to let our uh, valedictorian pick the song. And I, I would probably do uh, uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water or. Um, uh, what the world needs now is is love, sweet love. Mm-hmm. Well, since um, you pick one of the three, look, you're gonna have to sing one of them two <laughs> right now. So, like your like, yes. like, like, like your parents said, go on up there and sing that song, boy. So, I got you. so since, since you gonna sit here and say it was one of those two, and you gonna pick one. I ain't even gonna get to the other crazy ass white people story. We're gonna end the show on this. I'ma yeah. run, I'ma run that tomorrow. So you gonna take us out with a song. Go on ahead. I got you. I got you. What the world needs now. It's love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now. It's love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. All right then. All right then. You know, you know, Greg. I, th- I think, I think Doc could make the Alpha Coral. Well, great job. We certainly appreciate uh, you bringing some joy to those students uh, as well as the family there. And, of course, folks now all across the country have got an opportunity uh, to, uh, to relish in that. See, now you put pressure on a whole bunch of other principals because, see, now they're like, what, what you going to do? Just you're going to give us a little speech? No, you got to do something. 
Oh, I've been getting those calls. I've been getting those calls. Like, bro, what you doing? You setting the bar too high. <laughs> well, look, the, the, the bar needs to be set. We appreciate uh, the work that you do. Uh, thank you so very much. Uh, and it's definitely, it's important to see black male educators uh, in the classroom uh, leading as principals. And so uh, certainly congratulations. Uh, I, got lots of, I got lots of fans down there in High Point, North Carolina. Uh, when we go down there, uh, they, they always uh, show out well. Uh, and of course, uh, my man, Bob Brown, of course, yes, uh, Bob Brown was uh, Lieutenant Dr. King. Uh, he was the highest-ranking black person in uh, Richard Nixon's administration. Uh, I did a one-on-one -on -one with Bob at North Carolina A&T when I spoke on campus uh, there uh, in January of last year. And so, folks, y'all can go to YouTube, check it out. And so he also was a product of High Point, North Carolina. I'm going to be sure to give Bob a call. I haven't talked to him in a few months. Uh, so, uh, Dr. Gall, certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thank you all. All right, then. Uh, folks, uh, we're we going we to end it that way. Uh, let me give big thanks uh, to uh, my panel today, Georgia, uh, Reese, uh, as well as uh, Dr. Greg Carr. Uh, Y'all don't forget uh, our, our girl, Erica Wilson, Erica Savage Wilson. Uh, she is recuperating, going through her... Um, going through her rehab uh, for that uh, serious accident that she had. Uh, and so y'all can support her, dollar sign, Erica Savage Wilson. Uh, show us some love. Uh, and Erica, if you're watching, uh, I got folk. Somebody sent me a $100 check for you, Erica. So I got, I'm going to have to get your address and send it to you. And so y'all cracking me up. Y'all sending, uh, uh, Chelsea, step out here. Y'all sending uh, me, I got those blankets over there for uh, Reese, so I got to send Reese those blankets. Greg Carr, somebody sent me a shirt for you and a book. Uh, pass, me that, pass me that bag right there. The uh, Black show hey dog seriously folk folks sent sent me uh so i gotta find i got the car i think is there a sheet underneath there and give me that book so somebody sent me this this bag right here uh no 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 that, that, that uh, multicolor somebody made this bag here uh for me i'm gonna I'm read it in a second i think uh oh, that's nice. give it here uh that, that sheet right there that sheet right there uh and so then somebody they know i like to read so somebody said that they actually made this book that this book book bag here, then they put uh, a bookmark in it as well. Uh, and I, this was sent by. Hold on, they put their name on here, and so uh, 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 Alphacina Barrett, Alphacina Barrett, uh, is, is that it? Yeah, Alphacina Barrett. She has a book. She sent this to me. The faces of struggle, such as cancers, are on the journey to God's glory. So Alphacina sent me this. I told y'all, folks be sending me all kind of stuff. Uh, I'm, next week, I'm going to share with y'all, somebody sent me a whole Juneteenth kit. Uh, they uh -oh. sent me a whole Juneteenth kit. I'm so uh, Juneteenth is next week, so I'm going to show y'all that. And so... Uh, Texans, so is it authentic? Uh, you you, you well, from the <laughs> Look, and, and of course, and, and the late state representative Al Edwards, our frat brother, is is yes. he is the, the he is Mr. Juneteenth. It was it was he, I'm, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it next week. I'm gonna do it next week. Uh, so he was the one, of course, who got the bill passed. Uh, and so we always give him a shout out. Texas become the first state in the country to make Juneteenth a state holiday. And so I appreciate uh, the gifts that y'all seeing, and I really appreciate the financial gifts that y'all seeing because that's what allows us to pay staff. We're moving into a new office. Uh, man, I'm telling y'all, uh, it's off 
the chain, is off the chain um, uh, in terms of where we're going. Uh, Y'all can support us, cash, dollar sign, cash app, uh, which is dollar sign RM unfiltered, uh, paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered. You got venmo.com forward slash rm unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Uh, you can also rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. And so y'all can, um, uh, can hit us there. Uh, again, uh, mailing address only for a short time is 1625 uh, K Street Northwest. Uh, K Street Northwest, uh, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., uh, 2006. And that's, and so you know what? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this here. I, I wasn't gonna do it, but uh, now that, I wasn't gonna do it until I got the keys. Until I got, until I got the keys. Well, uh, I, I had opportunity to get the keys. Uh, so, uh, lease is signed. We're in. All these things uh, are happening. Uh, and so, uh, what I want to do is, I'm trying to see wrong one. I'm gonna send it this one right here. Uh, so give me a sec. So I'm gonna go ahead and do this here. Uh, while we're talking, y'all gonna get the first glimpse of our new office space. And I'm telling you, I've already gotten our black folks who gonna be building the set, who are lighting, uh, building out our whole control room. Uh, we're gonna. So so y'all get the first glimpse of this. So just give me a second. Let me pull this up here. Uh, I have not shown this publicly, uh, but this is. So I'm gonna just talk over it. Uh, in terms of uh, our spot here and what uh, our new office space is gonna look like. Uh, we're gonna be able there, y'all, to do stuff uh, there, uh, do our cooking segments in that large mm. kitchen space. Uh, and then uh, you saw, matter of fact, I'm just gonna bring it back. I shot it a little quick there. Uh, let me bring it back so you can actually see it. So, um, so we're gonna be able, like we got chefs, so we're gonna be able to shoot stuff right there uh, in that kitchen. Uh, you're gonna be able to see that. Uh, then uh, we're gonna have, like right now, uh, we, we really appreciate it. Uh, we're, we're 50 can, uh, we, 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 we lease this space here, but we sort of landlock only having just this set right here. Uh, only just sort of having just this one set. Uh, but we're gonna have an opportunity uh, to uh, to uh, do more. And I'm just gonna advance this a little bit. Just give me a second. And so y'all are gonna be able to see uh, us going down. So this will be the, that's where we have offices uh, that are going to be uh, they're going to be down there uh, where our staff will be able to uh, do our editing and things along those lines. Uh, and, and I told y'all, I don't look, I'm gonna show y'all how y'all money is being spent. Uh, other okay. folk uh, who've asked y'all for money don't do that. Uh, I'm showing you that's gonna be where we're gonna have our equipment room. We got uh, we got more offices and I can't man, y'all gonna be blown away. This is the open space right there. Y'all see that? Hey. Uh, so where they're standing over there, that's where we're gonna actually have our green screen. Uh, we're gonna have our three wall, video wall right there where I set where that television is. And then where you see all those other uh, chairs down there, uh, we're gonna basically have uh, a talk show type setup. So when we have our panel back, uh, they're gonna be in that seated space. You're gonna see this in a second. You're gonna see it in a second. Um, you're gonna see it in a second. Uh, those are more offices. And again, we're right on Black Lives Matter Plaza. That's gonna be, uh, that furniture's moved out. We're gonna have new furniture. That's gonna be our talk show set. We're gonna have anywhere from seven to eight people uh, who are in there. We're gonna have th then, where you're seeing that far left hand corner, we're gonna have our green screen over there as well. And then of course, in that big conference room is gonna be our production uh, facility. And so, uh, trust me, 
uh, we're having a whole walls. Uh, uh, you see, I'm talking right now how I want uh, a wall uh, set to be built. Uh, so that's being built uh, by a black set builder. On that wall, y'all gonna see, uh, we're gonna have uh, black art. I'm gonna have a piece from Dr. King, Harry Belafonte. Uh, I'm trying to get this Nina Simone piece. We're gonna have other pieces on there as well. Our control, we're gonna, our control room is gonna be in that room as well. So uh, we, uh, y'all, so we will be live from our new location, July 5th, July 5th. Uh, we will be uh, moving in. And so uh, I told y'all, see, I told y'all what we are doing. And so uh, I, I share with you how we you know, how we spend our resources. And so when I ask y'all to give, you get to see what your money is going for. And so we're going to have four different set looks in one place. We're gonna have that, where that video wall is, we're gonna actually have a, add two 85 inch televisions. They have a video wall there. That's where the set is gonna go. We're gonna be able to have the middle of the room. Not only that, the spacing in there will accommodate, and trust me, I will be doing it. We can put probably 50 chairs in there to actually have a live audience. Wow. Hmm. That's what, uh, that's what we uh, are doing, folks. And so we want y'all to support us what we do. That's why we're asking if we get 20,000 of our fans to give $50 each of the course of a year, that's a million dollars. The OTT, our OTT channels, y'all, are being built. I'm talking, they will be launching next month. I told y'all that was $156,000. Those OTT, so we're gonna be on Apple TV, Roku, Samsung TV, Xbox. We're gonna be on all of those, Amazon Fire. We're gonna be on all of those platforms uh, uh, next month. Your money went to support that as well. And so I just want y'all to understand uh, what we're doing, how we're building this out. Uh, and so the OTT channel is one thing, the office space, but I got another announcement. I'm not gonna tell you today, though. But it's gonna blow. What? Can't, I'm telling you, it's gonna. It's. It's. I'm. I'm y'all are gonna. I'm just letting y'all know. It's gonna blow y'all away. I'm just letting y'all know. It's gonna. It's gonna blow y'all away. I'm just. I'm just letting y'all know. Y'all gonna be like, damn. I know he didn't. The anticipation. Y'all gonna be like, I know he didn't. That's why, I need everybody to understand, that's why I don't sweat haters. How about that? Because the Lord, the Bible said, he will prepare a table in the presence of thy enemies. <laughs> haters, go on back, Henry. Haters, <laughs> look at that. Haters, all y'all who said we were gonna fail, that's what we move into at the end of the month. I just people want y'all. Congratulations, brother. People don't have a way of judging that if they haven't compared. When we would come down to do uh, News One Now with you, that's the, you were in the same studio where Morning Joe, all the MSNBC. And we had, we were uh, landlocked. We would have one set. We couldn't move. We couldn't stand that's up. Right. We had no, we had no flexibility. Uh, and right. so I'm gonna be able to have four different set looks in that one space. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just gonna give y'all one more. It's gonna blow y'all away. Uh, it's gonna blow y'all, let me leave it right there. So I'm gonna give you this, cause y'all, I, I visualize this. So you see the set piece we have here? Uh, here and take a shot of the set piece. So y'all see this Leroy Campbell art that's down here. 
uh, on the set. Y'all see my man Leroy Campbell put this on canvas uh, and you see the art piece down here. So you see this, so you see those rich, vibrant colors. This is gonna stay with us. If y'all see the desk, y'all don't worry, we, we literally are packing, okay? You see all those rich colors. Now go back to the video, Henry. When we go live, all of those glass offices are gonna be lit with different colored LED lights. And so when we go live, you're gonna, you're gonna have all of that, that color as a backdrop when we are uh, having that shot. So again, and yes, uh, and somebody said black art for the win. Yes, all throughout <laughs> that space. You see those two pillars right there? There will be black artists, their work on those pillars. And so all throughout the space. So just like with Bill Cosby, when you watch the Cosby show and how he integrated black art mm -hmm. into the show, yeah. it's exactly what will be happening with our new offices, Roland Martin Unfiltered. So I just want to give y'all that sneak peek. Nobody else, I have not posted on social media. I have not posted anywhere. Y'all just got the first look what our new office space is gonna be. I can't wait for us to move in. So please, uh, support us with your dollars. If you can't give 50 less, that's fine. We appreciate even a dollar. I told y'all, one brother was watching. He didn't like, YouTube was buffering. He sent us $5,000 that day. Uh, and so I appreciate his five grand the same way I appreciate that $1. Uh, and that's why we're not gonna do a subscription fee because we wanna have this show accessible to everybody. That's why your donations are important so I don't have to do a $4.99 subscription fee in order to pay for the show. I wanna make it open and accessible to everybody. And so again, cash app, dollar sign RM unfiltered, paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered, venmo.com is forward slash RM unfiltered, Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. If you're on YouTube and Facebook, please hit the like button. That's important because that allows us to rise in the algorithm and more people would be recommended. So please do that. Share our videos. Folks, that's it. Uh, and also, uh, today is actually the actual 54th anniversary of my parents, June 10th. And so Reginald and Melda, I had them on the show uh, Friday. I want to give them a shout out, love them dearly. Uh, and so happy anniversary. Uh, we, we don't see that many folk doing 50ths. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we always got to celebrate that. And so, folks, I appreciate it. Reese, you gonna say Can something? I, yeah, I just wanted to send my love from all of us to Amisha Cross. You know, she's been filling in for Erica. She took the day off today because she's mourning the anniversary of her brother's death. Mm. And so, you know, she's here. She's done such an amazing job filling in for Erica. So I just wanted her to know Erica's our family. She's our family as well. And our heart and our love goes to you today. All right. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. <laughs> Folks, I will see y'all tomorrow right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Y'all know this is the blackest show. Y'all y'all know that. Y'all y'all know ain't ain't the mother black targeted networks and the mother y'all ain't ain't mm -mm, mm -mm. If y'all want the real deal, Unfiltered, right here. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Holla! <laughs> From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.